Hello and welcome to the Teaching with Class podcast, the podcast that gives you quick, actionable tips to easily implement in the classroom. I'm your host, Monica Pujol-Massif. In today's episode, we'll be focusing on the multilingual learners in your classroom and how to connect with them in meaningful ways. We're joined today by Karen Nemeth, who is the author, consultant, and advocate focusing on high-quality early learning experiences for young multilingual learners. Karen, thank you so much for being with us today and for wanting to share your expertise with our teachers. Can you please tell us a little bit about yourself first? Well, thank you for having me. And I will say that my background is in the study of language development and first language development and second language development. But over the years, my work has had me in university setting or in uh, nonprofit organizations, working with government agencies, the Office of Head Start, with school districts on supporting early learning for first and second language learners. And so in that work, I've had a lot of opportunities to visit so many classrooms. Like I worked with the New Jersey Department of Education in the Office of Preschool. And, you know, we got to see Head Start settings and private preschool settings and school district settings. And I've been able to um, visit other countries and visit their early childhood programs as well. And so I used those experiences to to learn more about what does the research say about how language develops and what we need to do to support language development, as well as what early childhood educators say and what they ask and what they need to know about supporting children who are multilingual learners. And uh, so that is how, over time, I, I started to write books about those topics and articles and to collaborate with um, authors from all different aspects of the field and um, do, you know, talks about these things, keynote addresses, podcasts, etc., to bring together what, the questions that early childhood educators have as well as the answers that are available in the field and uh, from different parts of the field. So, so that's uh, what, you know, my sort of professional background. Uh, but I, di- I do have one little story that I like to share is about the time that I was a, a state specialist, you know, with my suit and my clipboard visiting a Head Start classroom. And a little child came up to me and I was a perfect stranger never been there before, but that little boy came up and pulled on my trousers and said, miss, miss, you take me mommy. And he, his lip was quivering and his tears. And I just, in that moment, I realized I can't keep thinking like a person with a clipboard anymore. We need to work more on what helps these children. What, what is their experience like to be away from home for the first time in an environment where people don't understand their language, where they don't understand the language, how do they feel and how will that impact their learning and development? And so it's all to that little boy that this has path has taken this shape. Wow. When I hear those um, testimonials, it's so hard to hear the moments when the child goes through something. Yeah. And this moment he was sad and, Missing mom, and he came to you, a person who he didn't even know. Right. And that's why you're here. You want to talk about the importance of connection 
with children who can understand the teachers or the teachers can understand the children because those connections are as important as for anybody else. Absolutely. So let's start. Let's start with um, defining. Would you define what is a, a multilingual or dual language learner? How would you define that? Well, that is a really important question because the answer comes from the research and pushes us forward to improve our work. The official definition of dual language learner was started with Head Start back in about 2008 was as they pulled researchers together to discuss this topic. And the term dual language learner became the official term that's used by the Administration for Children and Families, the U.S. Department of Education, National Association for Education of Young Children. And, and it says that a dual language learner is a young child who is growing up with two or more languages, whether that those languages are simultaneously, such as a family where uh, the child is born in, uh, with a mother that speaks one language and a father that speaks another language, or sequentially, like a child who starts with one language, and then they move to a new community or a new school and they learn an additional language. But all young children who are learning in two or more languages think in two or more languages. And so they research says they need to be supported in both of their languages or all of their languages. So the official definition and the research-based definition does not ask how proficient they are. It doesn't ask for a test score. It doesn't matter how well they're doing in one language or another, because if they are learning in two languages, no matter how much or little, some of their thinking, some of their knowledge is coded in their brain in each of those languages. And as, as effective early childhood educators, we need to connect with all of those early knowledge experiences, language experiences, and also the interpersonal relationship-based experiences that can happen in both languages. It's a big, big answer. It's what seemed like a short question. <laughs> Very important answer because it gets us thinking into, okay, what are we talking about here, right? right? And you're saying we don't need to be proficient in all the languages to be able to support children. That's right. Because they can learn. Right? They, can, they can learn in multiple languages. Their brain, we are built for that as human yeah. beings. So they can. And speaking more than one language is a strength. It's a superpower. Being bilingual is a superpower. It's That's a superpower. Right. Yeah, I, oh, I borrowed I that it. quote from somewhere. And now, of course, I can't remember where, but it's a really good quote. So thank you to whoever started that quote. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's a superpower. Okay, so let's uh, talk about what do interactions look like when the adult and the child speak different languages? Well, I think that what we see and what we should see are two different things sometimes. I think that many times when teachers uh, go to college, university, they don't get the in-depth background they need to be prepared to, to teach young children who speak different languages. So a lot of times they're out there trying their best, trying different things, and we can have a role in providing more supports, more detail that would help them uh, have a better understanding of how to really emphasize nonverbal communication to support those interactions, how to emphasize 
high quality observations so that you really focus on getting to know the child and all of the child's ways of expressing to you, even before that child is fluent in the teacher's language, that they are still communicating, they are still having interactions with you, they're just not necessarily spoken words. And the third thing would be, how uh, can teachers focus more on supporting comprehension? The research is really showing us that the more children know, the more knowledge they have, the more background information they have, the further and stronger their language can progress. So the focus should not be on teaching English. The focus should be on having high quality two-way interactions that help children understand and learn background knowledge so they can use that knowledge to build their home language and their English language. So, so those, so those three things are nonverbal communication, observing the child, and then really intentionally supporting comprehension. Those are things that we should be seeing more of. Thank you so much. Yeah, absolutely. And what you are saying is aligned with everything that class right. obviously is doing out there with the interactions, the nonverbal communication. So please tell us, uh, what does the research tell us about how multilingual learners can thrive in an early childhood education setting? Well, that is another question that has a multi-part answer because children are made up with multiple parts. So it isn't just about language itself, but it's about the whole world of language environment that we provide for those children. So part of it is the new research that's really reminding us, again, something that that is so uh, central to the class understanding of what works for young children. It is the need for two-way conversations, high-quality, two-sided instructional interactions that allow children to think about what the, the teacher is saying or communicating, to process it, to come up with their answer, to express what they know and can do. But if they don't share the same language, Teachers have to learn to ask questions in different ways or to ask questions in the home language. And they have to learn ways to support the child so that the child can understand the question and answer the question. So that has multiple parts to even the first part. One of them is making sure that as a teacher, you are making time to focus on each child and that you are finding a way to have a two-way interaction with a child that doesn't is not fluent in your language, but that you are still attending to them, responding to their interests, using your nonverbal communication, that you are not leaving out the child that's harder to communicate with, right? That, you know, there are always children in your class that are easy to communicate with. They're happy to have lots of conversations and they're, uh, they really click with you, but it's the ones that may sort of be a little bit on the sidelines. Maybe it's hard to communicate with them because you don't speak their language. Aren't those really the children that need you the most? So taking the time to pause and really be present with that child and have a two-way interaction and you have to focus so that the nonverbal components, what they show you, et cetera, can really help that child shine 
and help that teacher be successful? That's one part of the answer. The second part of the answer is just a simple trick, which is to give the child time to to give more of a pause when you ask a child a question. You have to pause because a child who's learning in two or more languages or a child who's learning in a new language, their brain takes a little longer to process what you asked and then to figure out how they want to answer it and then find a way to answer it in a way you can understand. They have more work to do in that two-way conversation than a child who just easily connects with your language. So to always give a pause and wait for their response. It's hard for us to do. It's really hard for us to do sometimes. So those are some things we can do to help those children really thrive. And those things really also depend on a supportive system. You know, teachers, we always talk about what teachers should do. And class observes what teachers should do. But in order to do it properly, teachers need the right kinds of supports from their coaches, from their bosses, that they need to have the time in order to spend the time to do these things with young children who speak different languages. Uh, When you were talking, I was thinking something very important that teachers learn some ways to ask questions or interact verbally with children in their home language. Yeah. How would you suggest teachers can learn this? Well, you know, one thing I have learned from speaking with groups all over the country and in other countries, most preschool classrooms have more than two languages. So it is really a challenge. We're not just talking about is the teacher bilingual or, you know, is it a bilingual class? But what do you do when there are three, four, five, eight different languages in your classroom? So one thing I really encourage is to learn a couple of open-ended multi-purpose questions that you can ask in every language in your classroom, right? So you could ask a child, what are you making? Or what might happen next? And you could just go home and learn to say those two questions in, you know, three or four different languages tonight. You can ask the parents to help you or your coworkers or, you know, the internet if you need that. But what are you making or what might happen next are two open-ended questions that can start a conversation with any child, get them thinking, get them expressing themselves. And if you ask it in the home language, well, the child might answer it in their home language, in which case you might get that feeling of what it's like in an environment where the the uh, talker doesn't speak the same language as the listener. And that's okay. We don't need teachers to control everything that happens in the conversation. We just need those children to be filled with confidence to express themselves, to be filled with that connection with the teacher that they have, the teacher took the time to ask me about what I'm doing. I feel seen. I feel heard. I've got something to say. I'm doing important stuff here in preschool. And they were going to express that. And it turns out, according to the research, that that oral language, that oral language expression for the young children is critical for their ability to learn language and to progress in both their home language and in English. Two things. 
And, you know, it's kind of interesting that supporting their home language actually helps them do better in English because it builds these foundations that are needed to progress in any language. Absolutely. And because you talk about making the pause earlier, even when they're infants. So even when the infants, they're learning both languages, as you said earlier, simultaneously, but maybe they come to you, they're four or six or, and they already know the language, the grammar, they already have that structure Yeah, and practicing is going to make better English. Yes. Practicing, not listening, but practicing. And that is something that is so hard to communicate because, you know, in United States, especially we focus so much on training teachers about what they should say. And we don't talk enough in training teachers about how important it is to listen and have that those conversations need to be two-sided. And there's just new research that came out this year that emphasizes how important that is for multilingual children and how hard it is to find those full, deep, two-way interactions in preschool. And so we want to make sure that those multilingual children get get the maximum boost, not getting less than other children. Yeah, less, right, not getting the minimum, exactly. Excellent. Okay, Mm -hmm. so let's talk a little bit about banking time. Banking time is something that we promote uh, in the interactions with children when we want to build that connection. So how might we engage in banking time when we don't speak the same language as the child? Wow, I will tell you what. I know banking time is a thing, is a strategy that you promote, but it is for me a feeling. It is a feeling of what it means to be a child and have that moment when, you you know, regardless of what's happening all week, that there's a, I know I could count on a time when I will be the special one with my teacher, that I will feel that this is my time and I'm important and I am worthy. And I will tell you that that's not always the case. And while we have at times asked teachers to track, not necessarily when they call it banking time, but just in talking about uh, their tracking the times they've had conversations with their young children in their class. And that when teachers keep a list and keep track of when they've had these, you know, special moments of interaction, they realize many times they'll get to the end of the week and there's some children, they have many interactions and some they have never had a conversation with the entire week of school and how must that child feel? And you hear me and I see, Monica, I see your face and and this is how my face looks when I visit these classrooms. It's like, oh, come on. That, um, That banking time, is even more critical for a child who is facing challenges all week. My friends don't all understand me. I'm not sure what the story is about. I don't know what the teacher is saying. I, I don't know what I'm supposed to do. We have They gave us these materials, but I don't know what it is. I, all week they're facing these challenges. Shouldn't they have one moment where... There's a settling and a connection with their teacher. And so that's when the teacher needs to pull out all these strategies that help build that communication. So here are some tips I would give you. 
some like insider secrets that would be, first of all, really focus on being with the child. Now, when it, when a child speaks your language, you could just sit down and have a chat, but it's not so easy when the child in, and the teacher don't speak the same language. So you might arrange banking time around a play material, uh, some something that the child's interested in. So, you know, if you know that the child is interested in toy cars, you might sit down with a box of toy cars and just begin playing toy cars together with the child and use your nonverbal skills or your sound effects, you know, whatever, to be with the child and have that interaction and use whatever words they can use and whatever words you can use. But if you use a shared focus on a, a play material, not the teacher's idea of a fun play material, but through their vigilant observations, something they know is of interest to the child that they can play with together side by side and be together, make eye contact when it works for that child, use the words in the home language that you can listen to the child's words and try to repeat what they're saying and show you're interested in learning and use your facial expressions and gestures with intention really thinking about when I spend time with this child, what seems to really get his attention? What seems to really make him smile? And let me remember that for this child. And it's different as you certainly well know, you know, some children really need some like animation and, and hilariousness and other children will be intimidated by that much energy and they'll need a quieter connection. So it really falls on the teacher's observation skills to get to know each child and then to bring a matching style that that will build that in those first moments when you're establishing that sort of nonverbal presence with the child um, and connecting, that connection builds that child's confidence and their knowledge so that their language with the teacher and the teacher's language with the child can grow and um, so how you start banking time when you first meet the child will be different from how it looks a few months down the road as language begins to grow between you all floating on the power of that connection. Oh, the power of that connection. Love it. And it, it occurred to me when you were talking before you mentioned learn the language of the child as the family or your coworkers. So if you know what is interesting to the child, you can ask those words. How That's do you say right. car? How do you say truck? How do you say fast? Yes. Um, thank you so much, Ms. Karen. <laughs> I think it's really important to go back to the parents for, you know, multiple reasons. Every answer I have is multiple reasons. Because if you ask the parents, you are also inviting the parents to be your partner. You could look something up online, but you you won't build a relationship with the parents if you go around them and look it up online. Second thing is the parents may have ways of saying things, you know, like you might look up a Spanish word, but it's not the same from family to family, from country to country. So getting it straight from the parents, they will tell you like the little child that I used to babysit for when I was a teenager 
that said TT when she wanted to use a bathroom. And I'm from New Jersey. We don't use that expression. I didn't know what she, did she want a snack? Did she want iced tea? And, you know, we had to find out the hard way. <laughs> so, so looking up, you know, the correct word won't help you. You need to know what the family uses. And then it also helps the family feel that connection. And it makes the family so aware that supporting the home language is a good thing. And that is the family's contribution to their child's education. It's not a weakness. It's a power. We're talking a lot about power today. I know. <laughs> Love it. So could you share with us key takeaways, things that you want the teachers to take today and go and practice tomorrow when they're with their children? Well, uh, yes, I would say um, one key takeaway is to really make sure that you have one-on-one -on -one interaction with each child, even when they are not ready to share that interaction fully with spoken language, but to make sure you still have those interactions, building that bond, following their interests, and supporting their home language. So that's one thing. Make sure to have those and track them so you know that, that every child in your classroom is getting the benefit of your skills as your talents as a teacher in that way. The, the second takeaway I would say is to make sure that you focus on helping using the child's home language to help them understand not, uh, not just sprinkling home language words, but using home language and nonverbal communication to help them understand so they can learn what they need in order to participate in those two-way uh, high-quality interactions. And then the third thing is don't underestimate the power of those personal connections, of, of really observing them, knowing their interests, pausing to, to really respect that it's worth waiting for their answer to your questions, um, and really uh, making sure that each child feels the strength and confidence that you can build with that human relationship that you build with them. Thank you. And you just mentioned power again, the power of connection. I love that you keep repeating that because we are talking about multilingual families and children, but it comes down to that connection first. Yeah. So that everything else, once they have that connection, their brain feels ready to learn. If those children are left on the side and not spoken to, and they have all those fears that you have been mentioning, that they're going to be stuck there, not able to progress in their learning. Right. Thank you so much. I could stay all day speaking with you, of course. And I know that teachers would love to hear more, more from you, but you're everywhere. So that's <laughs> a gift for your teachers. But I really thank you from the bottom of my heart to, for giving us this time and sharing stories and expertise with us today. And everybody, you can find today's episode and transcript on our website, teachstone.com slash podcast. And thank you, Architects of the Mind, for sharing your love and wisdom with the children of the world and for being here to add to your box of wonders. I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.